is a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey, y'all, and welcome to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I am Nisha, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host. Carolyn, hi. Yes, and we're also joined by a guest. We're very, very excited to have her here, Stephanie Williams. Hey, how y'all doing? We're doing very well, very well, but I know, like, We've been wanting to have you on here for a while, but would you mind letting the, the people, the listeners know who you are and what you do? What do I do? Um, so <laughs> I sometimes write about pop culture. Um, so whatever that means to you, for me, it means a lot of comic book stuff, um, genre shows. Um, anytime I can talk about aliens, I will. Um, but mainly just uh, comics for me. And I also create comics now. I write them, um, in fact, which has been um, still very surreal uh, to go from podcasting and talk about, talking about some of these characters to actually now writing stuff for them um, officially is just, uh, I don't know, like I still just haven't wrapped my mind around it. But I am enjoying it and very thankful and I'm happy to be here to talk to y'all. Yes, and we are very happy to have you here as me and Carolyn both literally have living heroes within arm's reach. Um, if y'all have not already gone and supported her work, I can't recommend it enough. <laughs> yes, please do. The, the art is incredible. Erin um, and um, Christina just really, I don't know, like they made, like I wrote it, but they just really made it pop um, with their, their art because uh, it couldn't. It couldn't be nearly as good as you all tell me that it is um, without them. So um, I just wanted to shout them out real quick because they really broke their foot off in that. They did. I mean, I just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful project. And like when y'all when y'all first announced it, like the Kickstarter and everything, and I was just kind of like, who would have thought living single and Marvel characters, specifically black marvel female characters and living single and put them together you know great things happen when the edible finally hits and you're watching um hulu and reading comics at the same time i love it because i was gonna ask you how did that come about um it was definitely from um the plant that grows in abundance um that you know sometimes opens your third eye or makes you very hungry or both um but it definitely came from that that's amazing the thing is with living heroes is it's very relatable for a specific generation especially i think i i still get confused between which generations it is but you know like i'm i'm a gen x i'm a gen xer and then like you know like people kids that were born in 1983 and down i would say probably up until 1998 would relate very much to this thing because like we all grew up watching like specific black shows like you know mm-hmm. you had of course living single like all the hairstyles with like khadijah and maxine and regine and but just like in our in black culture whether you're from the caribbean like me or from north america like we reckon there's certain touchstones that you incorporate it into which i think so beautifully and hilariously like the way even their hairstyles play a part 
in their characters because like for black women like hair our hair is so important to us especially if you and if you're talking about the specific time period of the early 90s and mid 90s like when living single was um was is set like that you had like the bob and the bangs and like you talk about the bayang and all the and like the and when car <laughs> and when braids synthetic braids really started to catch on in the black community like all of that is in here and then there's the fashion and the terminology and it's just and the language and, and the way we speak and they there is like the thing is with the comic comics is that how we you know how when you're reading things we can hear the voices when i'm reading this i hear the voices of the actresses from living single in my head no joke yes. I, I hear maxine i hear all of them in my head and i think that's so beautiful the way how you translate it to comics so well and it fits perfectly and could mm -hmm. you just tell me a little bit about developing their voices for the characters like choosing which character would be maxine choosing who, who star would be who um mm -hmm. you know so could you tell us a little bit about that development of the characters yeah um so kind of my favorite thing to do in comics is to um find characters and like the ways in which i like relate to them um and the same thing goes with like you know just characters on tv so because i read too doggone much um, you know, you start to really get a feel for who these characters are between the panels, right? Um, that's kind of how I think of it. Like, um, the reason why I can relate so much to a Storm or Monica Rambeau or Misty Knight isn't necessarily because of always what has been written specifically for them in their comic issues. It's what I've related to that the author maybe hasn't said or did not know that that is the takeaway that I would take from it. Um, that I would, you know, take that moment as like Storm being like, no, okay, you know, keep messing around and you, you're gonna find out even though they didn't like explicitly write that. So in thinking of it that way, um, for Storm, Misty Knight and Monica Rambeau, um, I just thought like, okay, so what parts of these characters remind me of um, the women in the show? And it just so happened that it worked out that I could see a lot of Khadija and Monica Rambeau. Um, I could see, um, the funny part was seeing Sinclair and Miss Knight because you would think that those two characters are two completely total opposites, but no, they're very similar um, in the ways that they can be very headstrong um, and funny even when, <laughs> other people don't think that they're being funny um and with Maxine and She-Hulk um that felt like a no-brainer because they're both uh lawyers but um mm -hmm. if I were to play it like yeah She-Hulk eating up all the food does make sense like she's burning a lot of cal calories whatever like gamma rays um <laughs> this coursing through her veins I'm pretty sure that is burning up calories and she's always hungry um and then for Storm to be um oh my god how am I blanking on her name? Jesus Christ, Regine. <laughs> Storm to be Regine, that seemed like a definite no-brainer um, because they're both two characters that folks think that, yeah, they date a lot, but that's not completely true. Maybe for Regine it is, but for <laughs> for Storm, she definitely has that, that vibe to her. And then fashions, um, because the reason why I love a lot of older comics is because the fashions are there. The girls are hardly ever in their suits and if they are in them it's for like maybe a few pages maybe just one issue but they're in their um you know outside of work clothes a lot so um I don't know like it just all came together and then I was thought I was going to struggle with thinking of like Overton and um 
his roommate, whose name I'm also blanking on because my brain uh, no longer works. Kyle? Yes, Kyle. <laughs> Thank y'all. Um, at first, I thought I was going to struggle with that, but I was like, no. Um, Sam Wilson has always been a character that I felt like I would really enjoy if he had more of that himbo energy, kind of like Overton does. Um, yes. And I was just like, okay, that makes sense. And then uh, for Wyatt Wingfoot as Kyle, I was just like, I just kind of want to write Wyatt Wingfoot because it's a character that I've always um, wanted to see more of. Uh, so that's just kind of how that happened. And next thing I know, I just wanted to land a joke with Misty Knight and her being a roommate with, um, you know, Jean Grey, because it actually happens in the comic. And I just thought like, okay, so like if Jean dies and has died, like what does Misty Knight do about rent? Because they were splitting it. So like, what is what does that look like? And I was like, okay, well maybe she'll move into an apartment with um, Storm because Storm has roots um, in Harlem um, because like that's originally where her um, father is from. And then also um, she has grandparents and aunts that are still there. So it just kind of all came together in a way of one, me reading comics too damn much. And then uh, me doing this binge watch of living here, uh, living single. And I was like, okay, this works. So it's supposed to be a one-off. And then I ended up doing a second page. And next thing I know, I was doing a Kickstarter and never in a million years that I think it'd get funded, but definitely never that I think it'd get funded in like 24 hours. Like y'all are nuts. <laughs> yeah, I remember the Kickstarter because that was right around the time because uh, you were, I think it was, was it just before, just after Misty Nice Untamed Afro because- It was I, after. It was mm -hmm. just, it was just after, right? Because I remember, I remember distinctly, it was a Sunday you were on the Birds of Prey podcast mm -hmm. and you mentioned it. And then I saw the tweet, uh, like, I think, I think maybe the week after somewhere around there. And I was like, submit. Cause I was, I just thought it was, I was just like, this is an amazing idea. And then it's, mm -hmm. we talk, we always, we all, we're always talking about representation, but then when we talk about representation, I don't think we, we think of, about how these characters could be portrayed differently in mm -hmm. different like you know when we talk about we always especially with if we're going to talk about mc we want to see a black character in fiction represented by a black actor on screen but then when you when, when you did it i think you took it up another another level where you you kind of like added layers to these mm -hmm. characters that we knew from comics are like me i who had a cursory knowledge and i really only started to learn more about missing Knight, like the dormalage and those kind of things from your podcast and then you added just more layers to it by integrating pop black pop culture into it which is something i don't think i've ever seen before because we took it from a very a very different perspective where again i, I have to keep mentioning the hair because just the hair alone shows like you knew what you were going for from the very beginning and you executed it so beautifully you and your and the creative team and I, I just, I remember, because Nisha and I, we talked about this on the podcast when we did a review for the comic, and I, I talked about the hair too, because I was just like, I love the hair, just like even the back of the comic people. If you've ever been to a black hair salon, yes. you know these posters. <laughs> it's it's good. It's just for like being um, a black person in fandom, you know, I, I, I feel like a lot of folks wonder like, well, then how do y'all like, I don't like find these things relatable because a lot of times it's like predominantly white or something mm -hmm. like that. But 
it just goes to show like the way that you interpret the way that you the, the way that we interpret the way that we relate to things is often through like a through line from our own cultural experiences and then kind of projecting that onto these characters even though sometimes they don't exude that like misty knight having the same hairstyle like black superheroines having the same hairstyle period all the time never made sense to me because we don't keep the hair the same hairstyle all the time i mean i at one point i think when i was going to work i would change my hairstyle like maybe every three to four weeks or something like that um and that was why i made it a point for in this comic to make sure if no one else changed their hair frequently Misty Knight did because I was tired of that bang and that afro in the back and all of that and I was just like no it's it's time for Miss Mamas to get some freedom and get some different yes. hairstyles. Thank you because I've shared this actually with like a lot like a lot of people who I know who like who love comics and I pointed this out to them because like I told them like yeah I love Misty Knight but I'm like and like I would talk to them about comics and obviously these are non-black people so like I would be like my one problem with Misty Knight and the comics is those like why is the bang like and that was my like why is that bang and they're like what do you mean I'm like it doesn't make sense like why is that bang straight and slicked but her hair is an afro logically it doesn't make sense like and if I'm a black woman and I'm fighting crime and I'm sweating up a storm this isn't like strategically sound (laughs) no and like that's the whole thing right there like if you want to have a slick down bang with your your fro your puff in the back that's fine but you're definitely not wearing that while you're working out or at least without a headband or something and she's just out there just just wow are just (laughs) off you can't see how do you roundhouse kick ma'am no and like the practicality just doesn't work out so it's just those little things and another thing that I thought was important was to show slice of life without so like an adult type of thing or something that's geared towards adult that wasn't like extra gratuitous um extra violent overly um sexual for no reason because I don't have a problem with no sex or anything that's fine with me but mm-hmm. when it's just like just excessive and just like why are we here type of situation um and I thought that was important too because there's a lot of manga that I read that I enjoy because it's simply just some people having a day and then Mm -hmm. that's it um and I just thought that was important especially for black superheroines um because if we're just thinking about black women in general um you know being asked to save the day and to put others first and stuff so what does it look like when they're on their day off and what does it look like when something happens in they're in for the night are they going to handle that and i said for this time no because there are other superheroes in new york so let them handle it our bonnets aren't one and we are in for the night Mm -hmm. and i i have to say that is something that really drew me to this project like when you first announced the kickstarter i was just like also like carolyn like yep take my money take all my money I love it but like when you find out like it's not just about them like being superheroes it's about them living their everyday lives and it's like yo I accept this as canon in my head this is what they do in their free time like I don't care Marvel has to accept it as canon because like truthfully you gave us the friendships and like these bonds between the characters that I wished I always saw exist and I feel like when we talk about like going back to the whole representation thing and I get like this kind of leads into my question for you do you feel like there is a lack of that where it's like we will see like 
I'm sure we've seen like where Storm interacts with another black black female character, but not to this level. And I do feel like if it is, if it's there, it's there, but it's not like, you know, is it pertaining to the mission that they're fighting or can Storm just be, you know, Aurora and like yeah. exist and like talk about, oh, my hair and like, oh, what I'm doing. But like, I just feel like we were lacking this in comics. And yeah, then, I, I, I kind of felt that way because um, I remember like when I really got into like the older Avengers comics or whatever, and like those women and like predominantly white women, like you saw their friendships and you definitely saw the guys. So there were definitely moments in comics where, um, you know, Cap, beast and like wonder man or whatever are kicking it at the mansion trying to figure out what they're going to do for the night Mm -hmm. or trying to figure out how they're going to help steve out because he's broke so there was definitely that was existent but there was far and little in between for black women and i'm just like okay well like why is this not a thing because i would think for you know a storm or misty night or monica rambeau like you know when there are other black women in the workplace I tended to grow up, gravitate towards them. I came out of a STEM background. So there were plenty of times where, you know, there would be a new black woman in the building and she was actually there to like work and wasn't visiting or something like that, where I was just like, oh my God, uh, we got to talk. And I just kind of mm-hmm. feel like on these teams where they're predominantly white or whatever, that if there was another black superhero one that was around, that they would probably have lunch together or something like that so um that was really important because it is really missing I didn't the only time that's why I kind of make that joke in the comic where you know the black heroes don't get together unless like T'Challa's in town or it's Black History Month or like vampires Mm -hmm. are around or something like that it's like always this one formulaic two or three formulaic things but like the black characters don't get to just kind of be around each other just because out of their own agency it's always you know because <laughs> hey it's it's february so like let's get these negroes together or it's just something like that or someone dies like roadie did in civil war Two, right yeah and they yeah. had to like meet up and stuff for that so I don't know again like I just thought it was important to just kind of show these characters just kind of you know kicking it and hanging out yeah and and this is actually a kind of like perfect segue for my next question because like we know that MCU now is making the show so we had WandaVision I know and then we just recently had Falcon and the Winter Soldier so I wanted to ask you about do you think do you have you seen any improvement in with regards to like seeing the black characters just existing because I for I for one don't think we have because we had um, Monica in WandaVision and her entire plot story, reason for being was about Wanda and supporting Wanda and trying to help Wanda and saving the town and saving, you know, and saving these people. We, we got one scene where she talked about losing her mom and it wasn't even a direct reference, like it, it was inferred that mm-hmm. we, 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 we guessed that her mother died from cancer possibly and then and then like her dealing with um with coming with coming back from the snap and all of that but we we didn't get any any exposition any explanation any dialogue with with regards to what her home life is like we i was hoping we did we did not and then we saw her basically as i called it the mammification of her where her at the end she saved wanda's two imaginary children we're like 
they don't exist. Like those two bullets could have gone through those kids, like no harm, no foul. And then what Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we got a bit of it where we got to see Sam interacting with Sarah and his nephews. And I thought that was really good. And then we got to see him, you know, trying to play for alone. And then we, that whole storyline about black people are so disenfranchised, even one who's a superhero and save the and help save the world and all that. We got a bit more of that, but I didn't think even then all of that was still tied up into him being a superhero. We didn't really get much scenes of just him and Sarah existing as family members. You know what I mean? Like all their dialogue still had, was still connected to his position as um, Falcon. And then we got a little bit at the end where he, we saw him being um, and him and Bucky being friends with the family. But apart from that, we still don't really know much about these about, about these characters. And it's frustrating because um, I often feel like with WandaVision, because um, I felt very differently about that show while watching it in real time, because like it was a week to week thing. So I'm thinking, well, one, the bar is in hell right so that's one thing and then two for the positive things that they were doing because it was a week-to-week thing I kept thinking like okay so like they'll do this or they'll do that and they'll bring this together and that never happened and then the finale happened and then watching it in retrospect in a binge watch just like oof, this was actually not all that great from the beginning um because like were there great moments absolutely um and that they I guess I'm always going to have a problem, unfortunately, unfortunately, with Monica Rambeau and the MCU because of the way that she was introduced in Captain Marvel as um, this little girl who was always going to be tied to Carol. Um, right. And it just kind of sucks because these two characters didn't really even cross paths like that, even when they were both um, Avengers members at a time. But like they didn't really start crossing paths until the later name change when Carol took Captain Marvel. And that wasn't until like the, you know, 2010 to the, the late 2000s. So it's just weird. Um, and I hate that. And now we're going to get the Marvels or whatever. And it looks like that movie will possibly like be a, a co-vehicle or three vehicle because um, Kamala Khan is in it, but it's frustrating. Um, because out of all of the Marvel Universe characters, Monica Rambeau was probably the strongest um, next to Storm when it came to having stories um, where she was on the team, but not just on the team, like actually integral to missions getting completed and actually having a role in um, what they did. And it's really, she's an interesting case because her history has been, I mean, her feet, like, as she's gone, it's been really reductive when it started off so positive. And it's just always been interesting to me because this is a character that was created in the eighties and had better stories in the eighties than she currently does now. Um, I mean, there's some here and there, but she isn't always as integral to the story um, as she was then. And then like with Sam, the thing that frustrated me about that was they made a big deal to say that they were going to tackle race in this show. And I just wish they didn't because they did a lot of saying that they're saying something without even really saying anything at all. Like the thing is like, it's possible for people to connect and especially black people to connect with black characters without having to connect with them through shared traumas. So going to the bank and get denied for a loan, like, yeah, sure we can relate to him in that way, but we could have also related to him through more stuff you know, doing other things with Sarah and his nephews. Because I don't know, I've been trying to figure out a way to kind of like articulate this, but 
it just seems like a lot of times for Black superheroes, and I've noticed this in my readings of older and newer stuff, especially the newer stuff, is this need to like remind everyone that they're Black because this character has been written by a white person white white person for so long so it's this need to put the extra blackity black stamp on the character which sometimes ends up taking away from the character and also just making the story way way less more imaginative than it could be um which is just frustrating because it's just like yo the character's black you are a black writer the thing that you're doing is going to be black without you yelling in our faces that it is black. Um, Just Mm. kind of effortlessly, like just kind of let that be. And like, I know that that's easier said than done, but even just speaking as a person who writes, um, is getting really getting into this comic book space um, and writing for black characters. um, I try to like, I actually don't even have that urge. It's just, you know, I'm just writing it. It's gonna be black because I'm black or it's gonna be queer because I'm queer. So I don't have to put that extra emphasis on it um, because it's just gonna flow naturally. Um, And I just kind of feel like, well, with WandaVision and Monica Rambeau, like that authenticity was missing because clearly no black women in the writer's room. Um, And even for Falcon and Winter Soldier, even though there were um, black men in the writer's room, um, you know, that still isn't enough. Um, Cause so like in the whole representation matters thing, like sure, if we're writing, we're also on the screen and stuff like that, like things can happen, but that's not always guaranteed. Um, looking at you, Kenyon Barris, which aren't we getting another Ooh. brownish or something? Yeah. With um, Eva Longoria, like, <laughs> that man is a oh, menace. He's a menace. Just you know, he's figured out how to print his own money by copying and pasting the whole thing. And and oh, one man. hand, I want to be irritated by because we have to, you know, endure these shows. But also at the same time, I mean, I guess hats off to him for like figuring it out. <laughs> I mean, basically. I mean, like, you know what? It gave us more Tracy Ellis Ross and it gave us Marseille Martin. So at the end of the day, yeah, I'm happy about that. No shade to the other ones. But like, truthfully, <laughs> after Grownish, I was like, this is not for me anymore. Yeah, I tapped out. I didn't even try. I, I couldn't. Like, I tried. I really tried. And oh, you know what? So Hallie and Chloe, because I just love yeah. them. But like, at the same time, one day we won't do it. We gonna talk about that, man. <laughs> and we will have to have you back, Steph, because I just can't with him. You know, between him and Tyler Perry, I find myself watching Tyler Perry stuff, like actually actively like putting on a Tyler Perry thing. Um, because I don't know, like for him, I just kind of feel like he knows that, you know, this thing is what it is and it's not more than what he could make it out to be and for uh Kenya is like oh yeah I'm doing this groundbreaking thing it's like nah bro you actually really aren't but Tyler Perry I mean unfortunately I will watch why did I get married several times because it is funny to me for all of the wrong and inappropriate and problematic reasons it's but, 
Sure, and I regularly rewatch and uh, why did why did I get married one and two two more than one because yes one, like when she's like boom like just that one scene is worth watching the entire movie I mean like, the fact also just the <laughs> the whole torturing of Janet Jackson throughout number two <gasps> only to introduce the rock at the end and it's always that... kind of funny to me because during that time like the rock was popping up in random stuff because this is like before he really turned into like this leading man Right. and you could tell that it was literally like you know hey let's throw the rock in here so if we do a three then you know guarantee seats but for <laughs> through all that trauma just for the rock to introduce himself to her it's just if madness if tyler perry's gonna do one thing it's going to be right a black woman to be unhinged mm-hmm. go through trauma sorry many things unhinged go through much emotional trauma and probably go through much 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 abuse yeah and then because she found god and she believed and she prayed hard enough she went through all the trauma and she was loyal enough and then she will then he will reward her with Dwayne rock johnson even talking about it right now, I'm just like, I probably will be watching this in about two weeks because, yeah. It's great for like when you just want to turn on trash stuff. I love how like when I'll talk to my parents and they'll just be like, have you been watching the new Tyler Perry show? I'm like, you know, good and damn well, I'm not watching The Oval. But you can tell me all the trash that happens on that terrible show. Right. Also that other one, because I'm not going to the sit. The half and a half nights. Not- yes, the half and the half nights. Because I can't oh, sit through 20, 20 minutes of them being in the same scene. Mm-hmm. No progression. The same argument for 20 minutes. And I'm just like, who I saw, this? I saw one episode of that show and never again. Like, Don't do it. It's Tika something that was in that, that was in that, right? Was it Tika? Yes. Uh, yeah, Tika wasn't that. Yeah. Yeah, and I watched one episode of that, and I'm like, Tika, I love you, girl, but no. <laughs> you know, she got her bag, and she got out. I'm happy. No, for like, you. I gotta respect the women. Like, listen, I that, respect her for that. that. <laughs> My problem is just like they just deserve better from what from than what he gives them to work with. Like, I'm never against actors and actresses. They doing what they gotta do. Is just him is that he's at fault for not giving them better material, and. Like and I did things. I I was following his career from like long. I watched the stage productions. Like same, same. Like, we all did. Like, we was all there. Was, like it was amazing seeing the progression from like stage to screen. And then like like he does like the man had a hustle. Like he like Kenyon Barris. They know how to play Hollywood and they playing that game well for for keeps. But we deserve better people. Like black women deserve better than walking around in these hair hats. I can't even call them wigs. They're hair hats. I will never forgive them for what they did with Shamarma over that Conroe wig. That Conroe wig. Never. That was unforgivable. The technology with braid wigs has come so far, though, now. It has. But according to The Walking Dead, they said, you know what? We do not care. But I mean, that's another thing with Living Heroes and um, Mm -hmm. why I hope that I. the, The goal was. One, selfishly, I just wanted to create something that I've been wanting for a long time. But also, I just hope that um, when other Black women um, read it, um, and when I say Black women, I mean all Black women, um, when they read it, um, that they just felt some semblance of, okay, yeah, like, I get that. Or this is something that I've been wanting um, in my comics for a long time. And so far, it sounds like y'all get that. And that makes me really happy because... Um, that was just the the end goal with that because mm-hmm. 
like we should have it so like why does this not exist I mean yes and I would say you definitely accomplished that I was that I was actually gonna be one of my my other question to use like what's your goals but like look at you ahead of the game because like I didn't know how much I needed this project until like you had put the first like picture of it out there and then like I just like I thought it was just a one-off I'm like this is hilarious I would take an entire book of this and then lo and behold we get a whole book of it and it's just like you know but for real like Marvel (laughs) this is canon now I need I, I we this is what like to Carolyn's point I feel like it's I feel like in to like what in your goal I feel like this is what a lot of like the content when we talk about representation is missing. Like some people think it's as simple as finding a black and brown character and throwing throwing them into the show and then talking about the cops and the police or talking about immigration and then talking about like what other social issue is specific to that character's race. When it's just like, no, sometimes I just want to see the characters exist and like yeah. have that slice of life. I want to see, a, I would love to see Storm go to a beauty salon and get her hair done. I want to see you them know, getting I, like I can imagine a conversation, but like you talking about the the water and getting her hair wet and be like, for a while I'm gonna start a thunderstorm in like two minutes, so you gotta find a way to fix it, <laughs> right? Like, all that kind of that kind of situation, and um and I there and there was something I wanted to ask you. I mean, like we kind of like talking about the MC a, a bit, but I think we do have to talk about it quite a bit because it is the biggest pop culture franchise in existence right now and so much of our entertainment is focused not only on the mcu but what disney is doing and how all of these things are branching out into other projects like for you you like you've taken this and you like as as nisha said you're ahead of the game like you're literally writing for marvel now but then one of my we, we like nisha and i we talked about this in our most recent um podcasting um episode and i talked about this the specific scene where sam came out of the house and the little boy was like, hey, Black Falcon. And he got all offended. And I'm like, sir, why are you getting all offended? This is a Black child giving you the moniker of Black Falcon. Because as I, as I said, he saw the word Black as a, as a means of, of, of respect. Because he, res- he respected Black Panther. And like in a child's mind, they're thinking, you're Black. You're a Falcon. He's Black. He's a Panther. Black Falcon, right? And so I'm yeah. like, that scene bugged me to no end and it still does clearly because i'm like why are you a black man getting all offended at this little boy calling black falcon and if you and if you do want him to call you falcon all you have to do is say i'm falcon that's all you like that's the only thing but he got all offended i'm like really yeah you know and it's funny though because the way that that sam wilson has been written in the mcu is the same energy as the sam wilson in the comics almost and Mm -hmm that's a choice you know um (laughs) it is a hell of a choice I'm just so thankful for T'Challa um when T'Challa was introduced to the MCU and the way that Ryan Coogler wrote him it was different from the T'Challa in the comics I can't stand that T'Challa at all yeah um and I was kind of hoping that Sam Wilson would kind of get that reimagining just a little bit um where he isn't just Steve Rogers' sidekick. He isn't just this very two-dimensional Black character, but he's one with a little bit more depth. But we didn't even get that because by the end of that series, and Sam takes the the shield or back or whatever and pronounces himself Captain America, I'm just like, okay, so did you so did you never think that you weren't unworthy? Because that was never a thing. Um, it seems like you always thought that you were worthy because like where did that growth where did that progression happen 
Mm. Um, so you're basically telling me that, oh, you always thought you were worthy of this thing, but you just didn't take it. So I thought that was weird. Like, I still don't know who Sam Wilson is other than, other than someone who is still irritating. I yeah. said the same thing. We, we, we know more about Zemo. We know more about Bucky. Mm-hmm. Um, we even yeah. know more about John Walker than we do. Even I am. Yeah, even I am. because even in that that small um that cold opening or whatever where you know you see her um you know repeating the words that would trigger Bucky and he's emotional and then also but she has this face of confidence that either way she's got him um and P wows out she'll fix you know she'll handle it but she fully believes that he has completed um you know the the training and everything they've gone through like we see a tender Io, which I love. Mm-hmm. Like just the way that the Dora Milaje have evolved in comics and then to the MCU has been some of the most mind-blowing thing because of the way that they started out and to where they are now is just night and day. So the fact that we didn't get that with Sam Wilson um, bugs me to no end. Uh, yeah. because like it's possible so like why didn't y'all do that he and there's reasons because yeah. of like how people think of um superheroes in general is very interesting to me um because we're getting more and more of that because of the mcu like carolyn mentioned like uh, being the source of a lot of um, content or whatever and just kind of seeing how people view superheroes as very black and white or considering them cops are all superheroes cops? No. Are some of them? Absolutely. But I don't know, like the way that I think of superheroes are um, these characters that allow us to play in these moral playgrounds um, in a very elevated way. So WandaVision, for all its faults, I did still enjoy because of, you know, we get a Wanda who is terrible. Um, quite frankly and but it's very true that sometimes hurt people will hurt people right um that's Mm -hmm. that's just something that is very real and I'm okay with them kind of exploring that messiness and what it means to be human and stuff like that I didn't appreciate the way that um they want Monica to just pretty much tell her like it's okay girl they'll forgive you because of what you had to sacrifice (laughs) because no but outside of that like I appreciated like you know, superheroes aren't invaluable. Nobody is. So um, in that regard, I like, I just, uh, again, this makes me wonder, like, so Sam, did you think you were always worthy of the shield or did you just give it up because of the complicated relationship between Black community and America? And I don't, I don't know the answer to that because the show never answered it. I don't even know the show even asked it to be <laughs> to be quite right. honest. It never, it, it never did because the way how I see it is at the end of the day, he's basically going to be, I could be wrong, but I'm reading it as he's going to be, Nisha, Nisha used the term respectability politics and, and that's right, mm-hmm. like he's going to be, he's going to be like, you that's know, him. like the black man who's going to be like, yeah, sure, white people do ish, but it's okay, I'm giving you the black pass. Because I'm Cap, I'm Black Captain America, so therefore I'm the representative for all Black people, and he's going to excuse a lot of ish, because even at the end, he accepted an apology from these politicians on behalf of the Flag Smashers when he wasn't even as disenfranchised the way that they were. Like, sir, that's not your place, and that bugged me, because 
it kind of like when you're especially if you're talking about the storyline that you're talking about where you have like a fascist who's john walker and he's basically getting to walk away scot-free no accountability no punishment no no acknowledgement of the harm that he did the murder that he committed and then you're gonna have this black man say i'm gonna be representative of all of this of this entire corrupt system this imperialistic system as i called it that's a problem and i and like i we don't know what we don't know what plans they have if they're going to do a sec a second season of falcon and the winter soldier we, we don't know what the next mcu film is going to be beyond black widow which was filmed like what two three years ago yeah but like i i'm actually not looking forward to see how black characters will be developed if at all in the mcu and that is a problem for me as someone who does like the mcu because I have problems with how people of color in general are handled in the in the in the in the franchise because like like everyone knows how much I hate that Hiroyuki Sonata's character and a whole bunch of um Japanese men were killed off because Cliff decided he wanted to take out his man pain on all of these on all of these Japanese people and Mexicans in Mexico instead of like you know sitting on going what having a therapy session. And I'm like, if that's how how they're gonna end off the last MCU film, and this is what they're doing with the black characters and other people of color characters in the shows, I kind of shudder to think of what they'll do in the films. Like we have Shang-Chi, but Shang-Chi is being handled. I'm hoping it's going to be like Black Panther where we had like respect, proper um, respect paid to Black culture through because we had a Black director. I'm hoping the same thing happens with Shang-Chi. And I will not speak about Simu Liu and my problems with him. That's a discuss another discussion for another day. But I'm hoping, I'm, I kind of shudder to think about what will happen for the rest of, of the show. And I don't know, could you, I, I think, I, like because you know so much about the comics, I wanted to ask you. We, we know the next show is going to be Loki, and I know Naomi Harris and um, help me. Um, Musaki. yes, Musaki is going to be in it. Do you have any idea what their characters could be? Could you tell us a little bit if do you have any? I mean, like from the comics uh, anyway. Yeah. So um, Google's character is really important um, and should have a pretty. Oh. No, I said Naomi Harris, right? It's Google, yeah. Google, Google, yeah. Um, but like her character should have hopefully a lot to do. Um, because in the comics she does. Um, I think she turns into Lady Loki, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. So we have that. If that if that happens, who knows? Um uh as far as the other character, I like I don't recall her in the comics, or if there's like an iteration, I think this might be. Not saying this character doesn't exist in the comics, but I think it's one of those things like we're playing it up, kind of like a Jimmy Woo situation or whatever. So I'm hoping that Loki is more closely related to WandaVision, which I think it will. And by that, I mean in the um, the weirdness mm -hmm. um, kind of getting out of the way that um, Falcon and Winter Soldier just felt like a bloated movie. So yeah. uh, fingers crossed. I guess <laughs> with that one, because yeah. even with the, just back real quick to Falcon and Winter Soldier, the way that that ended for um, uh, Isaiah Bradley, that was mm -hmm. trash um, because he was rightfully <sighs> angry and Sam is just not telling him to t put his anger away, but essentially, you know, hey, you've got this, you know, people will now know what you did, but not really because you aren't actually living under that name anymore. But like they'll know what you did, so like 
all is forgiven. And I know that's not what he's saying verbatim or anything, but right. essentially that's what that is. Um, and then you have Sarah end up getting, you know, an apology, an apology to her family and all of that for the way that the government treated her during that time when she was exiled. And I don't know, like, this is where I don't want to give the show's writers too much credit because I don't know if that was really actually done on purpose. Um, that, like, that juxtaposition or whatever. Um, mm. Maybe, but I just, I don't see it. But just looking at it that way, um, that sucks, right? To have this Black man who has been rightfully angry um, at the country and the government um, kind of testified and kind of told um, in a way through this action to kind of put his anger away because things have been righted a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Like, if you're going to show dirty laundry, then like show it, let them lay around in it and stuff like that. Don't like show it and then immediately right. put it in the washing machine. Right. So I don't know. Like, I just don't want any more black characters um, to pop up in the MCU until they have <laughs> black writers and directors and stuff that are genuinely going to care for um I don't know, like showcasing these characters in a way that is just not leaving them restricted to the same things that we are in real life because I don't know like it's just always weird to me in like fantasy and sci-fi and stuff when um the same kinds of limitations that we have to deal with are then put upon these characters in a way that mm -hmm. doesn't really add up because why would that be the way for them when they can do this other thing and not have to deal with it right um, they can do something that we aren't unable to do um as far as reacting so that's just always weird to me yeah no I agree with you wholeheartedly with that because like and that's kind of like the Isaiah Bradley thing kind of like like clenched it for me since it would have for me whatever because like yeah no sam has always kind of like i don't know he, there's always been something about him that just bothered me a little bit mm -hmm. and, and it was like and then i was like it's really it's definitely respectability politics because he just gives me respectability politics yeah um like you know the pull yourself up by the bootstraps i did this and i did that and if i give this respect then i'll get respect back and i'm like that's how, that's great but that's not how the world operates, Sam. And it's like, you you seem to still not understand that. And it's disturbing mm -hmm. that Sam doesn't understand why Isaiah, a black man who fought in Vietnam, who was then wrongfully persecuted, has an issue with having his story out there and then tries to be like, look what I did. I made sure your story was told. I'm like, yeah, it's great that he got credit and it looks like you maybe got him expunged or his record I would hope because if not you put him on blast but either way like how you said it like it's pacifying the issue because the fact of the matter is even though you're giving his story out there to the people all that trauma and pain that happened to Isaiah still exists mm -hmm. and with like, no type of restitution no reparations none. no anything none um, none whatsoever so like what is he supposed to really do with that and it's kind of like it's like also, great <laughs> It's, it's a museum and museums are always accessible. Uh, so if people happen to visit that museum and walk to the very end of that exhibit, then they'll see that. But that's just another thing that was just kind of, I don't know, like very, um, <laughs> I guess the way politicians treat things these days, right? Like yeah. a quick fix or a, a quick whatever, or like that unveiling of the, 
what they're calling the African statue um, in New York yeah. or whatever. And it's just kind of like these type of things don't actually correct they anything. Because um, like, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. And I say that like had a grandfather that fought in World War II, had a grandfather that fought in Vietnam, had a grandfather who was affected by Vietnam like drastically and he died before I was born. And it's just like them acknowledging him as a hero as somebody who fought for this country means absolutely nothing because I know what the damage that did to men like my grandfather and many other men who fought in these wars so it's just like that's why I just like that bugged me so much so like going Mm -hmm. back to like you know to the point it's just like it just seems like they're like going back to because I wanted to kind of lead this into the the Riri Williams kind of thing also because you're right, I feel like this is a common thing we've seen when it comes to, like, Black superheroes, like, Riri Williams, I believe there's, like, she has a family member who dies from, like, a gunshot. Two. In Chicago. Two. That's right. Two of so them. So father, her stepfather, and her best friend. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, like, the frustrating thing is, like, going back to what you said of just, like, it would be great for her to become a hero without having to live through that trauma that mm-hmm. I'm sure many people have already lived with. Or, like, you don't have to, like, bring gun violence <laughs> into it in order for like a black character like like I think you had said it before to make sure like put the, the stamp of blackity blackness on yeah. them and then the problem with that is because it came from a white man Brian Michael Bendis on top of that so mm. maybe it would have been a little annoyed if a black writer had did that but I would understand right a little bit more because that's a little bit more intimate to them but mm-hmm. I don't know it just looks very different when you have someone who is not of the culture choosing that for the character because it's kind of like the why um like why did you go this route and just bringing it real back real quick to Monica Rambeau this is why for her character I'm still so peeved with the way that she was introduced because Mm -hmm. she is a character who becomes a superhero because she just wants to um it's not because um of you know great tragedy or any of that it's just she has this great power and she feels that it is up to her like it's her duty to go ahead and do something with this something similar to like Peter Parker or whatever um so I don't know y'all like I just (laughs) for worlds that exist where people are flying around in tights um and can like lift buildings over their head it's just always interesting to me sometimes how limited the imagination can be when it comes to how these characters function mm-hmm. and who they are and why they make the decisions that they make and the stuff that they have to deal with. Um, and like that's stuff that I'm exploring right now um, as I write this series that I cannot talk about just yet. But um, that's something that I'm dealing with as I write that. Um, mm-hmm. Cause like, what does this, like what does being a hero mean for this particular character and how is it different from you know, a white predecessor or something like that. Um, for the Wonder Woman story that I wrote, the anthology story that I wrote for uh, Wonder Woman number two, um, I think it's Wonder Woman Black and Gold. Um, I have Wonder Woman and Nubia doing something really fun because why not? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, literally why not? Um, you know, there were different stories that I thought of pitching that were a little bit more close to real world stuff, but I was like, no, I can still make 
social commentary um, about having them do this really fun thing. Um, and folks will still probably find it relatable because they'll see those little nuggets dropped into there, like what it means for a Black woman to be in a uh, predominantly white space and to have to deal with other white women and what it looks like when another white woman actually, you know, does something to be actually be an ally and steps up and says something and just different stuff like that. Like those are all still relatable things. Um, someone does not have to get shot by the police or, um, mm -hmm. you know, some other horrific trauma for you or Carolyn or anyone else to be able to just kind of relate to that character and find bits and pieces of yourself in them. Yeah. Um, and, and going from that, like, for the new CW show, which is um, Batwoman, her backstory mm -hmm. is a traumatic, tragic backstory where like a family member, I think it's her dad is was in prison. Someone else was shot and died. And she herself was a victim of violence. And I'm like, it's just like, she got the triple, tri she got the trifecta of, of tragic backstories. I even told my friend, this is like watching a Korean drama where it, all the leads <laughs> ought to have some kind of traumatic backstory. But it's even worse because it's like you're stigmatizing and stereotyping a black woman where you're saying if she's black she and she wants to be a hero, she must have had this horrendously ha horrible thing happen to her. No. Did Tyler Perry write this? <laughs> no, well, I'm <laughs> I can't even believe I'm about to say this, but in the defense of black woman, oh, not black woman, but that woman, because I didn't want to watch that show for all the reasons that you mentioned. And then I watched and I got to episode, I think three. And it was Batgirl Magic. And I saw the name of that title and I was like, what is this? Like, what are we doing here? And then I watched the episode and the way that the writers approached that was, this is why saying this cutesy thing um in pop culture or i mean like uh, taking something that you know black women say to one another and stuff like that and like having someone white use it and apply it why it um it just doesn't work and in an episode they kind of touch on why that doesn't work is because yeah sure you can refer to this woman as bat girl magic but she is still having to deal with being um you know profiled by the police um, still having to deal with uh, a parole officer that is willing to like throw her back in jail because she's she's 10, 10 seconds late for a meeting. Um, you still have that going on and it kind of works. Because um, I think I think Batwoman is just an interesting uh, example, period, because this character does have so many traumatic things for her background, but the way that they're, the, the writers have used it as the season has progressed, it's not in a way that hinders the character it just adds to um i don't know like the way that she does certain things a way that she's affected and why her being that woman is so different from kate um mm -hmm. i'm also still trying to figure out how to articulate this because it's still it's still different from riri in a way and this is, goes back to like we can still have these characters that have these backgrounds where you know, unfortunately a family member dies or something like that happens, but like, what are you, are you making that the character's identity? Like, is the, is, is everything the character does and deals with like steep in that? I think that's why Doom Patrol season two, I love so much because they move Cyborg out of, am I human? Am I not human? Um, 
I hate my father. No, I don't hate my father. And they move him out of that and they introduce um, a Black love interest to him, uh, Ronnie Evers, and it takes that character beyond um, that, that, type of, that type of thinking. So I, it's just like we're in a, like such a weird spot right now. Like we have so much, we're getting a lot more Black characters in superhero genre, but some stuff is still not firing on all cylinders. Um, so I think Batwoman just did something recently where the all the black characters got arrest, arrested by the police, and I was yeah. like, "What are we doing here?" <laughs> I was like, "Wait, what are we doing here?" Um, and then I watched it, and I think I remember um, the same person who wrote episode nine, which I really love, wrote that one too. And I was like, "Okay, I see what you're doing here. I get it." and appreciate it but also i'm just tired because sometimes you're just tired of seeing stuff it could right. be good but you're just also kind of seeing the same motif over and over again so i think we're mm-hmm. also dealing with that type of fatigue because barry jenkins underground railroad i heard that it's you know it's good um it's heavy as hell and but it's really beautiful to watch but i won't be watching it just because i don't I just don't feel like putting myself through um, through that right now. Yeah. No, I because <laughs> I've I've seen on the ground railroad. I screened it, um, and we're gonna do an interview with, them, with some of the cast for Africa. But when my sister and I we first started watching it, I couldn't finish the first episode because there's a very there's a very difficult scene to watch, mm-hmm. and I had to stop. And I I kind of like it took me like a day to go back to it, and then I watched it episode two and three and it's not graphic or anything but it's just like the heaviness of it yes. and then when the, and what i think a lot of people don't understand like particularly for me like growing up in the caribbean and growing up in barbados we can't separate where we live from plantations like literally like when we're walking to school we walk past plantations mm-hmm. we walk past cane fields and like you at the back of your head is almost is this a real thing in the caribbean where we know what happened at these plantations we know what happened here and we just kind of have to like push it far far back because like it's a part of our history but then when i'm watching these kind of things on scene like i've been in a plantation house i've attended functions at these plantation houses and it's just a real experience where you're like i'm sitting having dinner a fundraising dinner in a plantation house where i know but mm-hmm. the kind of shit that went on here but then when i watch these these kind of projects it does remind me and it does bring it back yeah i saw this and on the ground railroad I think, like, I remember when I tweeted out, I said Barry Jenkins, I think compared to a lot of other directors who've done these kind of films and projects, is he's able to show you the beauty yeah. of black people and he doesn't focus on the pain. Like, there's difficult scenes with, like, like beatings or whatever, but he doesn't make that the objective of the, of the shot. He doesn't make the pain the objective of the shot. You know what I mean? It's the humanity. Yeah. And I understand where you, as you said, like, I, it took me a while to, like, finish and I do want to write about it because I have a lot of thoughts about it, but we we is it's it's about how i think it, like for a lot of these projects it's about how the directors and the writers and the actors mm-hmm. and everyone approaches the projects and when they're not done right that's when we are tired when we're fed up and yeah. we're just like give us something different but when they are done right that's when we're like i see the story you're being I'm, i see the story you're telling because these are stories that need to be told but yeah there are times when we're tired and there are times when you're like for like for CW, all their shows are going to be doing a Black Lives Matter episode. So it's not just, just going to be Black women. It's going to be Flash. It's going to be, you know, and just like, and and the way they do it is like the way they want to talk about Black Lives Matter is, has to do with somebody being arrested. That is not only Black Lives Matter. Could you talk no, about and that's, that? 
work, like, you know, like office politics, like those Black Lives Matter happen in small moments too. We face oppression and racism and bigotry in small moments. So it's not just being arrested. It's not just being stopped by a police officer. It's a little mm -hmm. microaggression that builds up too, right? Yeah, and like, that's the stuff that I wish we would get a little bit more of because um, it's not this thing of like, you know, the whole, uh, I forgot what it's called, but like, you know, Nazis and media, media or whatever, like seeing like these characters thrown in and like, it's not literal Nazis making your life hell, my life hell, Misha's life hell. Like it's not, that's not what's happening. Um, what's happening is like your neighbor next door or something or that person in Slack or whatever, mm -hmm. um, who's like just a regular everyday white for a person who is not a Nazi doing these things. Mm -hmm. um, and that's stuff that we could see in these, in these shows and stuff like that. Like that's, that's another form of um, racism that we have to deal with, the different forms of oppression that have absolutely nothing to do with being arrested, gunned down or something like that. And I don't know, like, I just, like, I, I will be happy when we can get out of this, you know, having to show that all the time, like, just like I know that it needs to exist, but it, like, it's just exhausting, especially when it's happening every day. Like you yeah. can just see it happening every day because yeah. of people filming it and stuff like that it's just like we don't really actually need the fictional representation of it because we're getting enough of it in real life yes um this is just oversaturation yeah and again it's not saying that you can't do that project that has that thing um because to carolyn's point like barry jenkins underground railroad um does something for this particular story mm -hmm. that others don't actually get um and right. eventually i will watch it but like i just don't feel like it no, it's just, like, and there's just, nothing wrong with that no, that's absolutely fine no. because i've had this i've had to start telling people that like it's like after this last year like it it, it 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 takes me like sometimes like I recognize it in myself for a while now in the last few years especially with like reviewing film and all people will like give me like screeners and they'll ask me like oh do you want to review this and I'll like watch the trailer and I'll like decide like is this going to be a heavy thing like is this going to be like heavy on my soul and then heavier for me to write my thoughts out about it mm -hmm. not because it's challenging to like critique this challenging because mentally it's going to exhaust me emotionally right. and then it's like then I'm like no I will go review an anime that does not do this to me and or a manga no thank you yeah. but it's like and it's and I don't feel bad about it it's like I used to feel like no these stories need to be told and it's like yeah and they can be told they have every right to be told if people want to tell these stories. It's like, I watched Judas and the Black Messiah and I loved it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very, very powerful movie. But you know what I watched after that? I went and watched Craig of the Creek. I just binged all of Craig of the Creek because that's my comfort cartoon. And that's what I needed because I was just emotionally spent. But I like, yeah. I really wanted to see that movie. But I'm yeah. like, and it's like other things where it's just like nowadays, I'm just like, I'm not watching any slave narrative film unless I truly feel like it's necessary for me to, and it, it has to check so many boxes like is there a white savior no okay but like that and like it's stuff like that where I'm like I can't do it and we shouldn't be made to feel bad about it but it's like 
I don't know what's going on in Hollywood right now where they don't understand. It's like, yeah, we're worn out by slave narrative, but we're also worn out by y'all trying to have a nuance of Black Lives Matter <laughs> by giving us one episode in February. Yeah. <laughs> and then trying to show how like, see, we hear you, we understand. And it's just like, you don't. Because if you did, Iris would have more black friends on that show I haven't haven't watched Flash in forever but I started to be like Iris has no black friends and this makes me suspect right it just doesn't make any sense at all yeah it just it just doesn't it doesn't so so like the thing um and I'm gonna I swear to God, like, this is connected. So, like, for Underground, like, the thing with um, Underground Railroad that, that I don't, like, I didn't know going into because I never read the book, is that it's actually not only about, like, the lead characters, her her experience as a slave. It actually ties into her relationship with her mother. And and I think the way that was executed so beautifully because it kind of goes to our point where we are saying Black experiences aren't only about the trauma of slavery mm-hmm. or, you know, police oppression and that kind of stuff. Like, she, like the, it's actually about her feeling abandoned, by her mother and it's about this relationship between a mother and daughter but I think it's told so beautifully because it's showing how one thing can change how we view something else and like Nisha's talking like um she talked about like watching Craig the Creek but the thing I think beauty is like I like one of the things one of the reasons I love watching like Asian dramas or Korean dramas so thing so much is because the, a lot of these shows have like extremely deep storylines like they talk about depression they talk about loss they talk about relationship family relationships you know and love and they even talk about things with like um oppression that kind of stuff but because i think because they're not told from a particularly black perspective and it's not rooted in like things like ab- abject like blatant racism stuff that i'm able to still connect to these storylines and not feel the weight of the bl- of black history yeah oppression mm-hmm. behind it and I think that's that and, and like for you, Stephanie, one of the things I, I really love about following you on Twitter is like you use like like comics and, and cartoons as particularly you love to use Professor X and how he basically and how and like and like how his actions and his words to to like the, the, the X-Men and like his students and you kind of tie that into these same narratives of like like if you're talking about depression, you can find a clip that relates to that you you tie into like black music you you will find like the perfect song from 1992 and yep. tie it into that but like it seems it's comical but you tie it in so beautifully if you're going to talk about depression if you're talking about abuse or like even like with storm you talk about colorism yeah and like you'll have a clip and you'll be like and storm will be shading the hell out of at professor s and we're laughing but like for again like black for black women we'll be like yeah she's shading him like that's not a compliment she's she's making a She's making a political statement or she's making social commentary and you do it so and I think you do it so well. And I just want to ask you about just using memes in particular in these videos to like say what you have to say, but in a way that I think that a lot of people relate to and that a lot of people I think make grabs people's attention and makes them kind of like even think back like two threes. Cause I'll be like, I'll be like, I'll think of something then I'll be giggling to myself like an idiot and no one knows what I'm giggling about. But I'm like, he's definitely made that tweet. And you know, so I'd be like, just like talk a bit about, about just using like cartoons and comics to like get people to listen to what to the messages that you have to tell them. Because I like, I just, because of the way that we view comics and we view cartoons as like this children's thing, um, it's a really great Trojan horse mm-hmm. to use this to actually say something because people aren't really expecting it. Because, you know, you're just thinking like, oh, it's just going to be this funny thing. Um, but yeah, it's also a funny thing, but I'm also like trying to say something at the same time. And 
I don't know, like being able to use memes or like a clip from a show or something like that is just a really great way for me to like kind of say the thing that I need to say without you really um, sometimes realizing that that's what I was actually going for until after the fact. Um, that's just something about comedians that I've just always enjoyed growing up that, you know, through the laughs um, and this kind of laughing through the pain, like there are deep messages and commentary being made. Like Cat Williams, um, as problematic as he is, had a um, stand-up that I watched on repeat. Um, I can't think of the name of it. I think it came out in maybe 2010, 2011 or something like that. But it was just really good because uh, Cap Williams is brilliant in that way and um, saying something funny, but also at the same, at the same time, like saying some real shit it's, mm-hmm. um, about um, just politics, um, the police or uh, capitalism or whatever. And that's just something for like the best comedians who don't rely on low hanging fruit, like being homophobic or transphobic and things like that and actually have something to say. It's just something that I've always admired and um, have somehow figured out to synthesize in my own way, um, be it through comics or cartoons. I don't know, like, I just feel like it's a, it's easier to get people to be more receptive to what you're trying to say. Cause I've done this before. Like I've said something on Twitter, like without a caption, I mean, without a photo or video and the point was missed. And then I reuse the same thing um, in a video or a comic or whatever. And then the point is made and I'm like, aha, Mm -hmm. I got your attention now because of the silly thing, but now you're listening. So I don't know, like I've always been a a fan of like, you can catch more, I don't know why you want to catch flies, but catch more <laughs> flies with <laughs> No, that scene don't make no sense. With it still don't make no I'm sense. Like that. I'm like, why are you catching flies? But whatever. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But oh my gosh. I feel like we could talk to you forever and I don't wanna hold don't wanna hold you too long. Um Carolyn, do you have any other questions or um we can like we can cut this part out. I was just I look I looked at the clock and I was like y'all are an hour ahead of me, so oh. I don't. Want to oh. Hold y'all. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My last question is kind of tied into that because um like mm-hmm. we talked about use about using the memes and stuff, but I just I want to I want to get like super like black and nerdy and nineties right now. The music, like your music choices, like you the way how, I just want to ask you just like just how you come up with these clips and these particular songs that like you would use songs by uh what was it um yaki janet jackson hey, hey. like that one is still one of the funniest ones mary j blige like, like there's been plenty of times i have choked on my coffee in the morning because of you <laughs> too many times but it's fine <laughs> I, a woman's word a woman was a, that's the title song over batman yes yeah which was still funny though because the fact that um i don't know where that came from um it just randomly came because i just thought it was funny like i just simply thought that it was absurd and it was funny um like i've <laughs> always wanted to have my own animated show and i said i would do goofy stuff like that that just was outlandish made no sense but if you think about it too much, it actually does make sense type of situation. Mm-hmm. But the way that I'm able to kind of find these clips that match up perfectly is because like, this is how, like when I'm reading comics or I'm watching stuff, like this is what Stephanie is thinking about. Like I'm thinking about all these other random things while I'm watching this, this, this thing that's 
unrelated or whatever like thinking about Ayala coming in to like have a group therapy session or whatever with some superheroes because they need it like just random mm. goofy stuff like that um I don't know like it just comes naturally because that is just unfortunately and fortunately how I've always related to stuff I'm talking about going all the way back to like Barney when I was like <laughs> four or something like that like thinking of you know, being at church and like the call and response uh, for like different songs and the way that Barney kind of incorporates that with the kids or whatever. It's goofy and it makes no sense. But at the same time, you think about it for a little bit, it does. So, um, you know, I just want Black women to lean and be more comfortable with just kind of being goofy. Like everybody else gets to do it. Um, right. Amy Schumer made a whole career and a lot of white like <laughs> you know comedians have made a whole career of just being gross which is okay. lena dunham you know, just, had a whole just, successful successful right career <laughs> and she wasn't even funny no on these types of things and i i just love it when you know we're able to just kind of just you know be goofy like i think of it about it this way who is one to want to listen to me if I'm only talking about comics in a way that you could have looked up on Wikipedia? Mm-hmm. I don't even want to listen to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, so that's why I was just like, okay, I'm just going to talk about comics in a way that I relate to them. And hopefully people don't think I need to be committed. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> you know, like, I'm just going to share like what is going through my mind when I am reading these things. Um, Cause I don't know, like comics are, or just, cartoons comics and stuff like that um I just don't see them as a children's only thing like these are universal um you know tools to be used to like send home like really deep messages like my son watches um my little pony friendship is magic um which is a really great show there's no girl boss energy in it like it's a legitimately good show Mm -hmm. um and some of the other older car- cartoons that he's rewatching, he's like you know this is actually really well written and good and actually I don't even know if this was for kids because I know for damn sure Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and basically all the bad all the DC animated stuff is not really for kids no because McCarthyism <laughs> like went wide over my 10 year old head I was like right. you talking about McCarthyism what right Oh my god! But no, and I, I get going to like the, I guess like adding to the memes and stuff like and like just your mind, just chef's kiss because I love, it. I love it, I love it though because the way you just crack us up with your tweets and your comics, like, um, but what if though is like, I like your other web comic, and I just like have to say, Batman days, like. <laughs> Gotham should have them. They should. And now I'm just like, this is genius. It just, y'all have, if y'all need to know what I'm talking about, go to Webtoons, look up Stephanie's name, and follow her other webcomic because it's just, I love that entire web series because it's just more of what Living Heroes is to me. And it, like, you give us the Monica Rambeau, like, slice of life moment that we all kind of really, that we, not kind of, that we all want to see after seeing WandaVision with her just kicking it with Jimmy and, excuse me, I'm forgetting the other one. Darcy. Darcy. And then just having movie night, because I would take a whole show of just the three of them. And it's just like, 
it's just you give us this stuff there and I'm just like your mind and it's then it's hilarious and it's just great and just uh, y'all just throw your throw your money at stuff thank you (laughs) thank you so much I would love to see you do a dormalage series like I can just imagine the fingers crossed I'm hoping that this thing that I'm working on that I'll tell you all about after the recording um, might lead to that but I'm I'm trying my best to to make some headway because I know like folks say like you know make your own and stuff and I will still do that but also um I don't at all mind playing any sandboxes of like already established IPs because like these characters are there so like let me write for them let me make some stuff up for you yeah and it, and it's and it's necessary like as you're saying like it's necessary i think to write for these already established characters because you can interject new life and new context into these mm-hmm. stories and into these characters because a lot of these storylines we know are written by white men or if they're written by black people they're usually written by black men mm-hmm. and like this the pers- their perspective is going to be completely different to other people of color's perspective and, other, and black women's perspective and when you have a lot of situations being handled and that was i would have loved to see for instance if sarah was there when sam came on as like like if i would have loved to love to see a conversation between yeah. sarah and isaiah that would be amazing right yeah like we, we need writers like you to give new life to these stories because these some of these stories are like super old and overdone and right. just like give us new perspectives we're going into the future like bring the stories to the future right yeah and which is what Ryan Coogler did with Black Panther is like we say it's Afrofuturism but he legit moved those stories forward he didn't do anything he that did. was the past mm-hmm. like like everything that's happening is going to propel to the future nothing that related to anything any past storylines or anything which i think was brilliant and yeah. i think we're doing the same thing because you're like we gotta look at the stories have plants plant them now and b- build them in a way that they can give future storylines going forward exactly mm-hmm. no exactly that yeah because it's just like we tired like give us some yes. nice comedy people <laughs> Give me a multifaceted character, please. That looks like me. Yeah. <laughs> That's not too much to ask. Because we saw what happened where what Taika Waititi did with Thor. He brought mm-hmm. he he gave Thor a future, a present, and then lo and behold, and then they took him right back to where he was mm-hmm. at the beginning. I'm like, oh, you're gonna kill this mass progression. Thor had a wonderful story arc that was happening, and he showed people. Uh, like, I remember a lot of people were like, when I was in the cinema, a lot of people were like, I didn't know Thor was that smart. If the man is thousands of years old. In the society years ahead of America, why would he be an He's a god. He would have god level intelligence at least. Right? (laughs) At the very And then like Taika TT showed people that a lot of people didn't know that about Thor. And then they just like smashed all of that progression and just like and like, no, people, why you do Thor like that? Why? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do love a himbo, but they they teetered too much on that on that himbo line for him they did and I was like okay y'all this is what we're doing Mm. Mm. we'll see what happens next (laughs) so so as we wrap up is there anything that you would like to say not only about your work um that you've done before but also for work that you have going into future because I know like you you can't say what they are but I know you're doing some amazing projects and like and like I was so happy that you got to work with both Marvel and DC and I think that is actually pretty bloody good and bloody great because like it I think it shows people like your versatility 
as a creator and that like, your mind is you're I don't care nobody say you're a genius to me like you're mm -hmm. you're the way you're able to connect things I think is gene is like genius level and I'm so happy for you and where you're going and I only want all the best things for you and for Thank your son you. and I think your son is is a little genius too because I mean like you like you tweet stuff like commander in teeth just he is running me through the ringer right now um a whole journey um some more parenthood activate will definitely be on the way because it is <laughs> a journey but um yeah because like i have him in mind when i'm creating stuff because i'm hoping that um whatever i'm writing that you know some you know 10 11 year old will read it and say oh like i like this person wrote this like oh so like i can possibly do this um i don't know something about that is just i don't know like i just really love that not because i'm writing it but i'm just saying like that's the the, mm -hmm. the thought that um someone could be reading this and thinking okay well this was done so like i definitely can't do it like it's proof of concept like i can do a thing that um, it's just fun and goofy, um, you know, and people will support it. It doesn't have to be this one kind of way. Like I can be a different type of creator. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. Um, so thank you so much for talking with us, Stephanie. Yeah, thank you for having me. Amazing. And I just thought we are going to have you back again, maybe. Mm -hmm. Please. <laughs> Open door me. policy. You're back. Okay. Open door party. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna prop this up to you right now. At the end of Loki, we gotta have a discussion about Loki because that you works. got women in that show. Like we gotta talk about it. And listen, I have a thing about Loki and when he flips, so it's nice. I just think that's super hot. <laughs> but that's just me going on a tangent. Anywho, sorry. <laughs> no, uh, count me in. I'm down. Awesome. Well, would, if you don't mind, do you want to tell the people where you want to be found and where they can find your work? Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Steph underscore I underscore Will. I will say though that I'm on a Twitter hiatus as slash strike. Um, so I don't, I'll be probably back next month, but if you want to, you can follow me there. Um, and then whysteph.com, you can go there to find some of my latest things, stuff that I've written, things that I have coming in the future. And then what day is it? July 27th um there is wonder woman black and goat number two i have a um story in that that you'll be able to check out and then i have one thing that should be announced next month i hope fingers crossed so please be on the lookout for that because it's big um and i don't mean that lightly <laughs> at all <laughs> awesome and as always y'all can find the show at S-H-W-H underscore pod. You can find me at Nisha Plays on Instagram and Twitter doing cosplay things. I swear, I'm getting back to it. I got braids now. You're, get, you're gonna get anime characters with braids. I don't care if it's not ca canon. You're getting them. Um, but yes, cosplay's coming for the summer. And then Carolyn... <laughs> You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CarrieCNH12. That's C A R R I E C N H12. You can find my writing and Nisha's writing on butwhythepodcast.com, as well as the links that you will find in the description box down below. You can find this episode on our podcast for on butwhythepodcast.com, as well as other podcast streaming platforms. And my YouTube channel under my name, Carolyn Hines. You can find this. I will be linking this there as well. But also other interviews I've been doing with the African-American Film Critics Association. We've spoken to Uza Adobo for her film, her show in treatment and other projects. You, 
Ooh, we will be having, as I said, a cast for Underground Railroad. We've done um, Godfather in Harlem. We'll be doing um, uh, one with vet Black veterinarians, which will, I think will be really fun because that is for National Geographic. And um, I, you can look, find my, um, what am I saying? My Asian dramas um, chat uh, for Beyond the Beyond the Romance here on YouTube, as well as follow the dra the hashtag dramas with Carrie as well. Saturday night sci-fi. I am done. I do so much stuff. I don't even know how. Um, but this has been great. This has been fun. Everyone, please stay safe and join us for another episode of So Here's What Happened for the next round. Bye. Bye. <laughs>